You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Coming to you from Great American Ballpark, it's the Better Off Red Podcast. Here's your host, Jamie Ramsey. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this special Reds Fest edition of the Better Off Red podcast. We took our show on the road to the Duke Energy Convention Center on December 1st and December 2nd as part of Reds Fest 2017. Over 16,000 fans attended the two-day event to warm up for the upcoming baseball season and to celebrate all things Cincinnati Reds. The Better Off Red podcast was set up in the Reds Connect Zone, where we talked with eight guests over two days, and when we weren't recording the show, we were catching up with old friends and meeting new fans who stopped by to say hello. Before we get to the show, I want to point out that the Reds recently released a top 10 list of holiday gifts for you Cincinnati baseball fans. On that list, you'll find a Reds gift package that comes with a luxury Reds throw blanket. Also on the list are club memberships, Reds gift cards, the Pick 6 plan, the Jake Owen concert at the ballpark on August 11th, a Reds Hall of Fame membership, Reds gear, and Reds authentics. Lots of great suggestions if you're trying to find that perfect holiday gift for that special Reds fan in your life. To check out the list and to receive more information, please visit Better Off Red at ramsey.mlblogs.com. This Reds Fest edition of the Better Off Red podcast features day two guests, Tucker Barnhart, Jackson Stevens, Taylor Trammell, and Michael Lorenzen. Gold Glove catcher Tucker Barnhart kicks off the second day of Reds Fest on the BOR podcast. And as a longtime friend of the show, we ask him to talk to us about what an incredibly memorable year 2017 was for him personally. Here's Tucker Barnhart. Tucker, how's it going, man? It's great. I'm a new dad. They're around here somewhere. Hopefully he's sleeping. That would be (laughs) outstanding. But everything's great. How are you, Jamie? Dude, you had... Let's talk a little bit about the year you had in 2017. Will this go down... I know Hunter Green's in the in the audience or in the building right now, and he had one heck of a 2017. Probably not in the audience. Not in the audience. I don't know no, why no, no, he would no. be in the I audience. I don't know why yet. I said that. Thanks for keeping me honest, by the way. Always. You, I will always keep you honest. But 2017 for you may have been the most memorable year for anyone else, more than anyone else here. You were, first of all, you became a father for the first time. Then you signed a contract, a long-term contract, which the Reds are not handing those out very often these days. So you must be pretty special. I don't know what they saw in it. But third, you win the gold glove. Dude, is there anything else? I mean, did you, like, did you... uh save any whales or anything else while, that we didn't know about? or No, I didn't. But, yeah, I, it's, it's about as good a year as I can, I can think I could have, to be honest with you. Uh, our son is the best. 
He just doesn't sleep, but he's he's working his way to that. He had a good night last night, but it, it's it, I had a phenomenal year personally. Um, just I want to win more games, and I think other than other than personal goals uh, as a team, I think that we are on the way to winning more games, and that for me is the only way for it to get better. Yeah, man, we talked. We had a lot of pitchers up here yesterday. We had. Uh, uh, Probably, I think all of our guests yesterday were pitchers, and we talked about. Uh, we talked a little bit about you, much to my chagrin, <laughs> but we also talked about the the changing dynamic of this team when these guys are healthy. So, can you talk a little bit about maybe the excitement level going into 2018 compared to the end of 2017, knowing that. You're going to have a healthy Anthony DiSclefani. You're going to have a healthy Homer Bailey. You're going to have a healthy, you know, who am I leaving out? We have Ro uh, Finnegan. Brandon Finnegan. Uh, Robert Stevenson's emerged. Uh, Sal Romano, who had an incredible last uh, month of the season. There's this guy named Luis Castillo that's pretty oh, good, Oh, yeah, well, well, that goes without saying. Those <laughs> guys are going to – I mean, we're talking about guys who, you know, you're uh, kind of made a surprise, made a little bit of a splash. We know what we're going to get with – with Castillo and a guy like Tyler Malley. Talk a little bit about how excited maybe that you are that these guys, that you're getting a healthy group of guys, but also the emerging stars and the mix with the, with the, the guys that you already know who are going to be pretty good. I mean, the, the excitement for me is it continues to grow. I think I, I've said it a lot that the, there was pretty much a silver lining, I would say, uh, through any, any – outing or any appearance that any of our young guys had last year whether they were getting beat 13 to nothing or they were winning three and out of the game in the third inning or they were they were we were up three to nothing and they were through the through the seventh inning with a shutout going I mean there was something good that came from just about every outing last year and those the experience that these guys are getting at such a young point in their career myself included is priceless I, I think you can have so many innings in the minor leagues. You have so many at-bats in the minor leagues to, to so-called prepare yourself for the big leagues. But you truly you aren't ready and you're not prepared for the major leagues until you get here, until you get on the field in front of a ton of fans and, and you experience what the major leagues is. And with that experience that, the, that guy, those, those guys did get, I think it just raises my excitement level for 18 because – we're going to need to lean on those guys, the, the young guys that had to come in and fill the shoes of the Homer Baileys, the, the Brandon Finnegan's, the Anthony Discofani's last year. And then you add a healthy group of those guys to the, to the youth that we had last year. I mean, the, the excitement level is, is extremely high. And when we, when we can mesh the, the offensive capabilities that we have with the pitching that we, the capabilities that we have. I think the sky's the limits for this group, and it makes me extremely excited to, uh, to get rolling. I'm not going to ask you to give us a scouting report on each one of these guys, but can you talk a little? I'm going to give you a few names, and I want to get your opinion on, on a guy like Luis Castillo. What happened that made him? I know a lot of Reds fans going into last season weren't very familiar with who he was, but now they know his name. What is it about him that makes him so special? For me, the thing that sticks out the most is one, or two things. One, his willingness to learn. We were in – it was extremely funny because he had a bullpen session in Miami against the team that, uh, that, he, that he was traded away from. 
two days before his start. So he threw a bullpen, and he was working on a, a, a new pitch, a, a, a two-seam fastball that kind of comes back into a right-handed hitter or goes away from a left-handed hitter. And he, uh, he was working on it in the bullpen, and then he comes out in his start, and he's, he has the ability to throw it during the game, and he throws eight shutout innings against the team that, that, that traded him away. And, and it's, that's a tough pitch to learn, and especially to learn it at it in the major leagues and then turn around and, and, and throw it in the game and throw eight shutout. His willingness to learn is off the charts. But I think more than that, his ability to not let things get to him, which it was extremely, extremely uh, impressive to watch and to see and be a part of. If, a, if there would be an error made behind him or he gives up a, a run early in the game, you could see him kind of breathe and say, you know what, that's going to happen and get through that and, and, and not let things kind of spiral out of control because you do see younger guys that, that, or, or inexperienced guys at the major league level, you see those things that happen early that they let get to them and they, you see it kind of snowball and next thing you know they, they've given up six runs in the inning when maybe they, they, were gonna give, they could give up two and get out of the inning if they calm down and, and, and make a pitch as opposed to letting things spiral out of control and snowball. And, uh, and at that point, when you've given up six runs in an inning, it's really tough to come back from. Yeah, and it's, I'm glad you brought that up because th- I think that's, that's a very difficult thing to do is, is to kind of just brush that off. We talked to Cody yesterday, and Cody admitted that it, it's hard to just let stuff like that go. Even Cody Reed, who's got the best stuff in the world, sometimes he, he admitted that he might get in trouble because he's thinking too much out there. No question. I think that's my my ultimate goal is for them to trust me enough that I eliminate the thinking that they have out there. Like we we game plan so much. All the catchers do. We study video. We we look at the scouting reports. We talk with our scouting department. We talk with Mac Jenkins and Ted Power, our our, pit, our pitching coach and our bullpen coach, and we we develop game plans to hopefully eliminate the thinking on the mound for the pitcher. So we're they know that we're back there putting and the signs that we're putting down there's a lot of thinking that's gone on to what we are what we're putting down and we're not just back there throwing down signs that because we haven't thrown that pitch in a a little while that's why we're putting it down that's not the case and I know that's not the way that the, the guys are thinking out there on the mound but if we can eliminate any little bit of doubt or any little bit of of thinking that that kind of confuses or just amplifies the stress out on the mound that's that's our goal that's our goal as catchers and, and I said it this season is like you turn into you turn into somewhat of a of a psychologist behind the plate as well as a baseball player because you have to learn how to to manage the personalities that are on the mound as well going out to the mound and and getting into a guy for not pitching well I could do that to one guy or the next guy I have to go out to the mound and kind of pat him on the back say hey man you're pitching great no big deal let's go so there's things that you have to learn to kind of you got to learn to to manage like I said those personalities but uh does that go does is that unique to the starters or is it both starters and relievers it's unique to every single pitcher starter or reliever because everybody has uh, I would say in my opinion there's not one guy that we have in the in the in on our staff that has the same personality as Homer or 
Homer's personality is way different than Michael Lorenzen when he's on the mound, and Michael Lorenzen's personality is different from Brandon Finnegan's. So it's just it's a it's a constant game of what do what can I do to eliminate the thinking on the mound for those guys, which in turn is going to help us make the best pitches and win the most games. So what is it? How do you? Is it just during the season that you try to get to know these guys, or do you you try to stay in contact? Because you like you said, you have to get to know these guys. How, yeah, what's I mean, the process of that? We, I would say we stay there's we for the most part I would say all the guys stay in pretty good contact with everybody um the fantasy football league that we have in the clubhouse kind of keeps everybody in touch which is good um seeing guys at Reds Fest like this obviously keeps you get you if you haven't talked to a guy for a little bit get you back in touch with them and uh but yeah you have to you have to kind of know what they like to do I mean you go out to dinner you got you go to breakfast you go to the mall on the, when we're on the road, you do whatever, and it's all in, in it's all in preparation, so that when you're in a game, you you can go out to the mound and ask him, hey, where are we going to breakfast tomorrow? If things are kind of getting out of control, and you can see him thinking a bunch, I mean, it just it, it just depends on the situation. It depends on the guy, and yeah, you're right. You have to you have to get to know him because if you don't know how a guy works or how he, how a guy ticks or what makes him tick, you got no chance. So we had Disco came up yesterday, and we were talking to him about Tyler Malley, and he he, he mentioned there was a there was a a moment last year where he stopped for a minute to watch one of Tyler's bullpen sessions, and Disco, who has I in my opinion established himself as a bona fide big league pitcher, was amazed at this few moments of of bullpen session of Tyler Malley because he said. He was hitting every one of his spots. He was changing speeds. He said, I've never had a bullpen session like that, and here I am. This kid just got called up, and I'm just sitting here amazed at this bullpen session. What can you tell us about Tyler Malley? Well, I think it, he has a perfect game, so I think it, we could stop there. But, um, Tyler, you, you nailed it. I mean, what Disco said, said nailed it. He's a command-type guy that, has the ability to throw the throw his, his fastball in the upper 90s, which is incredible. Um, he reminds me of, of, of a lot of Mike Leak, and Mike Leak is a guy that had to rely on command um, to beat you, to get you out. Um, and Tyler does a lot of those things, and I see a lot of I see a lot of Mike Leak and Tyler Molly. So I think the perfect game and the fact that we watched Mike Leak pitch for however many years when he was here. I mean, I think that. I think that gives you a pretty good, pretty good idea of who, of who Tyler Molly is. Great kid, quiet kid, and he just he's a worker, and he really likes to work, and that's it's impressive. I'm going to give you just a couple more names, and we won't exhaust this subject. But we, and we had these guys up yesterday. I want to get your take on Sal Romano. What you saw at the beginning of the year with him compared to the success he had in the latter part, and then we I want to talk to you a little bit about Cody Reed, who's kind of a a guy that has all the talent in the world, but for whatever reason, he, it just hasn't gelled for him yet. Well, Sal Romano, I, I really, really enjoy catching Sal. Um, I caught his debut, and I, I caught a lot of his starts last season, and uh, the growth that he showed is, was impressive. Um, you could see, and a lot of guys you see in their debut, you got to take it for what it's worth. I mean, it's a debut. I mean, I, my, my mind was moving a mile a minute as well as as Sal's and as well as just about anybody that makes their debut. Very rarely do you see a guy come in and and 
look like he's been in the major leagues for for 10 years in in, in their debut so you can't really you got to take it with a grain of salt but uh Sal I think really developed when when Sal's changeup started to develop and I think it was after he got sent down and called back up he really figured out that he's got to use his changeup and as he started to use his changeup it's really helped him um, keep guys off of his fastball and off of his breaking ball. And the fact that he got contacts a couple of days ago is really going to help because he's not going to cross me up and we're not going to get into arguments when he does that. <laughs> so, uh, no, I, I thoroughly enjoy catching Sal. Um, he's a guy that, that I look forward to having around this season, hopefully, and uh, building off of his second half. I thought his second half was outstanding. Cody Reed, and I think Cody would tell you, as well, I think it's all mental with Cody Reed. Uh, he has as good a stuff as anybody that we have in the organization, big leagues on down. And I think that, that as he continues to develop a confidence in his stuff, I think it's going to allow him to have success. Uh, it, it, and it stops and starts right there. Having confidence in his stuff the sky's the limit for him. He, th- he throws. He's left-handed, and he throws 98 miles an hour with an awkward arm angle that has sink and a slider that is as good as it is as good as it gets in our organization. That's all you need to know. You know, I mean, and and so it's, it, when he can develop a consistency in his confidence, I I think that 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 he's going to be a guy that we can really lean on, whether it's in the rotation or as, if it's in um, out of the bullpen as a late lefty or a long lefty. I just and I think he would tell you the same thing. I think he's confident in the stuff that he has, but I think when he gets out there, sometimes when things start to go kind of haywire, like we said with a guy like Luis, who seems to not let those things get to him. If he can, if Cody can do that, I mean, he's going to get a lot of guys out. You talked, you mentioned something about Sal getting crossing you up. Do you have any memorable stories or memorable instances of being crossed up? There's an umpire named Jordan Baker who is in the major leagues and. Who in my first major league camp? There was. You remember Kyle Lotzkar? I do. Yeah. Kyle yeah. Lotzkar was in spring training, and we were both in big league camp for the first time. Um, aside from getting called over from the minor leagues to play, be a backup in a game. So Kyle runs in. I. It was my first inning behind the plate, and it was it was Kyle's first inning coming out of the bullpen. Jordan Baker's behind the plate, and I remind him of this every time that he's behind the plate. Kyle runs in. I go, I go out to the mound. I talk about the signs. Hey, man, we're going to go second sign uh, if a guy gets on second base. If you shake me off, first sign. Oh, great. Got it. I go back there, and I can't remember if it was my fault or if it was his fault, but I put down a, uh, what I thought I put down was a breaking ball. <laughs> Kyle gets in it. Kyle, the guy's on second base. Kyle comes set, throws a fastball. And at that point, like visually, it looks like it was going to be in the dirt. So I go to block it. It squares Jordan Baker up right in the middle of the chest. And he's back behind the plate gasping for it. <laughs> I thought, oh, my goodness, this guy's going to die behind the plate. And so he's ever since, ever since I mentioned it to him, and we get a good laugh out of it now. But that's the, that's the best or worst getting crossed up story that I have. But it, uh, thankfully, I haven't been hit too bad behind the plate, but I, I have gotten hit a couple times, and it doesn't feel too good. Have you had an instance where you maybe had your bell rung where you had to take a second to, like, get the cobwebs out? Yeah, I try not to. I try not to because via Joey Votto and Jay Bruce, via Scott Rowland, anytime you foul a ball off your leg, anytime that, that 
you get a, a foul tip behind the plate, you're not supposed to show anybody that it hurt <laughs> at all. So there's been a lot of times where I've needed a second but haven't taken a second. Yeah. Um, I there's a couple times in the minor leagues that I got my bell rung getting ran over at home plate, but since that since the rule has has changed since then I haven't been hit too bad to have to shake any cobwebs off. But when I get a foul tip off of my mask, it it hurts. So what if you were to like take a minute? Would Joey be? In, would he give you a hard time about it? I think he would <laughs> at, at this point. At this point, because I've I've kind of set a standard that if I do get hit, I don't really show much of a of a that it hurt that it hurt at all. And so if I did go down, one, he would either think, okay, he's really hurt, or two, he's like, he needs to get back up. And like, let's, let's play ball. Speaking of Joey, he had some really glowing remarks about you when the finalists for the Gold Glove were announced. This was before the actual announcement, but when we had him on a conference call, because he was a finalist for the Gold Glove, and he wanted to take all the attention off, not only, I think, himself, but some of the other guys who were nominated like Billy and Duvall and he wanted to pinpoint you and talk about how you deserve that award one how special was that for you to hear Joey of all people you know one of the best baseball players in the world talk about you defensively but also I want to know did anyone else like reach out to you to congratulate you that we might be surprised to hear well, yeah, first to, he to hear that from Joey, I mean, you get to be around your teammates and they, you hear them say nice things about you in the media and you hear them, them uh, I mean, everybody's got, everybody's back in the clubhouse for sure. But then to hear, then to hear Joey say that like outside of the clubhouse and, and when he's a finalist for an award as well, I mean, it means a lot and it's about as nice a thing as I could, I've ever had said about me. And I, I truly appreciate, I truly appreciate those words. I mean, Joey, I feel like Joey would do anything for me as well as I would do anything for Joey. And, I mean, he came over to Indy and worked out in the gym that I work out at, and we talk pretty frequently. Um, so, to, so to get close with – to be close with Joey and to hear him say, about, say things about me like that, it's, it means a lot. Um, I, Yadier Molina reached out to me um, after, I, after, I was, after I won the award and told me that he was really proud of me and then congratulations and so – so not I, I'm not entirely – I wouldn't say that I'm close with Yadi at all. I do talk to him every once in a while. We exchange text messages every once in a while. We talk during the season uh, when we play each other. But that's about as far as it goes. And then to hear, to hear him say he was proud of me, that he was happy for me, that I won, was, uh, was really cool. That is really cool. So let me ask you, Tucker, do you feel like – not to get – put you on the spot or anything, but do you feel a sort of vindication with the year that you had – going into the last few years, considered as the Reds' backup catcher, that you've done all the work to elevate yourself. Does that feel good to get kind of recognized with awards and uh, contracts? I mean, to, to, to see any work that you put in on anything, whether it's my, in my position or it's in school or anything, obviously that to see it come to fruition and be recognized is obviously very rewarding. Um, I've never thought that I was a backup catcher. I've never taken that mindset into the offseason. I've never taken that into a season to prepare to be the backup, be a backup catcher at any level. I've been, and I was fortunate enough in the minor leagues to play every day, and I felt like I was prepared, and I, I prepare myself to, to play every day, every offseason, whether I am pretty, uh, I, I'm, I'm going to be a starter or I'm going to be a backup or I'm going to play one game or I'm going to play 120 games. I, I 
I, you never really know. Like, you never really know what's going to happen. And so I w I've always taken the mindset into the offseason that I'd be doing myself a disservice and I'd be doing my teammates a disservice if I didn't prepare to play every day. And I think that should be everybody's mindset, whether you, are a you, you know you're going to be a bench guy or whether you know you're going to play every game of the season, you're going to start every game of the season. So to, to be rewarded, to get an award like that, obviously it means the world to me. But more, more than that, I, I've never thought I was going to be a backup catcher, and I, I, I didn't sign to be a backup catcher or be a backup player at all. I don't think anybody signs to be a backup, but to be to be recognized and and, sh and show that I can play every day, and to really answer any questions about my durability, that was always the question for me: is like, is this guy going to be big enough? Is he going to be able to sustain a workload of a starting catcher at any level? And and to prove people wrong, not maybe maybe not necessarily prove people wrong is the right way to go about it or saying it, but to just to show that that. We can count on this guy to produce on offense on and, and play high quality defense. That I mean that that's what I go out in the in the off season and prepare to do and and, and have thought and known all along that, that given the opportunity that I would be able to do that and and for it to be recognized is really special. How much stock do you put into framing statistics? Be I know no no I and I will but I I think it's 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 totally indicative in who you catch and your and your familiarity with those pitchers and I think it goes no further than that really I, I think everybody everybody in the major leagues that catches has good hands or they wouldn't be a uh, and that's what everybody talks about when when they talk about receiving they talk about well he's got good hands he's got soft hands well yeah or he wouldn't be a catcher in the major leagues I mean that's just that's clear but it's 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 directly related to who you catch it's directly related to the, the relationship and the familiar, familiarity that you do have with those pitchers. I mean, the guys that are always at the top of the list or that you hear are the good framers are the guys that have been catching those guys for years. I mean, Jan Gomes has always, has always been touted as a very good receiver, which he is, and he was a Gold Glove finalist, and he's a great catcher, but he's catching Corey Kluber who he's caught for years he's caught he's catching Trevor Bauer who he's caught for years I mean he's catching a staff that he's caught for years and so that just it, allowing you to know what a guy's breaking ball is going to do every time or know what a guy's sinking fastball is going to do every time where it's going to end up when it's done breaking that stuff is huge and and as the youth that we have continues to develop and and they're out there, and they've they've perfected their breaking ball. Not the not like whether their breaking ball is going to have a ton of success or it's their best pitch, but they've perfected the shape of their breaking ball. Or I basically know what they want to throw before I even put it down, or they know what I'm going to put down before they even see a sign. That stuff is big, and that stuff it it it, it translates to the framing statistics, I think. And so there's a little bit of a misconception, I think, on framing. But I do, I do think it carries weight, and I think it should. But I think also, I think what is the bigger part of that is developing a relationship and de developing a familiarity with those pitchers. Yeah, to me, there's just so many moving parts that. Yes, and, and I agree completely. I mean, if I catch, if I catch a pitch that's in the strike, clearly in the strike zone, and the umpire misses it, and he he he, he calls it a ball, that's a framing, that's a framing point against myself, right. which. 
the umpire missed the call. Right. So how like, do I? How do? And why should I, I mean. get penalized? That's just one of many. I think exactly. That are, and what if a guy's not hitting his spots? Sure. If the, if I'm set if I'm set up away, and I have to reach back to the inside yeah. corner, you're not going to get that strike call just because. It elimin- if if the umpire calls out a strike, he's going to hear hear about it from the sure. from the from the dugout. I mean, he's going to hear from any from either side whether he calls a ball or whether he calls a strike. But it just uh, allows the umpire to kind of give themselves a, a little bit of a, bu- a buffer because they can just say, well, he had to move all the way across the plate right. and it was a ball. So based on your answers to this, it sounds like you've you've thought about this and have actually been asked that same question before. Yeah, I get asked about it a lot, and uh, it's. It's a it's a great stat. I mean, it it's it does talk about the it does value the catching position. It gives value to to a part of the catching position that that you need to. But I think it some people value it a little bit too much, in my opinion. I think that, like you said, there are so so many moving parts, so many variables that are out of my control or out of the catcher's control that that allow there to be a little bit of a, a misconception. I think on framing. Well, this has all been kind of boring stuff that we've been talking about. I know we're kind of we might be putting some people to sleep. I think what people really want to know is what kind of wine you're drinking these days. Top shelf supermarket wine, <laughs> Jamie Ramsey. Um, I've wine is wine has become a, a a hobby of mine. I like to the, the way that the way that the grapes grow and how the weather affects grapes. Oh, I mean, that's man. it is what don't give me an all <laughs> man like you know this is right. How that affects the wine is it's it's, it's like fascinating to me. Do you're gonna have a vineyard someday? No, because the only way that you make money in the wine, make a million dollars in the winery business, is be a billionaire. <laughs> and I don't know that that will ever happen. My question is: Has Sierra had a chance now that the baby's been born to oh, indulge yeah, we, a little we bit? We indulge, we indulge good, on wine good, quite often. Good. She bought me a. She cor- deserves it. Living she, with I you, agree. especially, uh, especially living it. with me. She she bought me a Coravin for. Uh, for our anniversary and what the Coravin is is it allows you to open nice bottles of wine without actually physically pulling the cork oh and so it, the the needle itself is extremely thin and and it there's um like it's called argon gas that shoots down in the bottle oh yeah to make the wine think that it's not been opened but you can pour a glass out of the out of the bottle wow. without having to actually pull the cork and it makes it it, it, it lengthens the time in which you can keep the wine. So it's, oh, it's really, really, really cool. Is really, it one really of those cool. things that you can get like seven, they say they, they say you can get 70 bottles out of this. Do they put like a number on that or is it all, well, will it always It's based work? on glasses. You can, oh, you can have like one, one like cartridge of the gas. Okay. Can, it says it can get you like 16 pours out okay. of, obviously you can't get 16 pours out of a bottle of wine unless you're drinking high quality bag wine like Jamie drinks. <laughs> um, but it's 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 really cool. I haven't used it yet. Um, I just we just I just got it, um, but I anticipate using it soon. I hope so. Final question before we let you go: Are you going to? Are you too big now to join the rock star leg of the caravan? Or I'm not by no means am I too big. You left us last year. I that's out. That was out of my control, and you know that. You do not throw me under the rock star Dude, bus. No, no, no. Because no. it was out of my control. You carry enough weight now that you can dictate. I, you can dictate where you're going, and you really showed us a lot last year by not agreeing to come on this to hurts. our bus. That's that, that, that hurt. hurt. That hurts. I it consider hurts you me like a the, brother, and it hurts me that you're making false statements <laughs> like this, like the ones that you're making currently. Uh, 
Based on the uh, new addition to our lives, yes. I don't think I'm going to be able to make the entirety of the of the tour. Yeah. I am going to. Well, that's okay. I mean, I have two, and I still have to go. But that's that's again. That, I mean, I'm not you know an all uh, fair uh, enough gold glove catcher. I got, but I that's got, cool. I got nothing for you. <laughs> I got nothing for you. But uh, I am going to be in the doing the Indiana stops. Uh, Absolutely. A couple yeah. of the Indiana stops. I'm not sure which ones. Uh, yet, but well, uh, all we, kidding aside, I think it's really cool that you continue to do it every year. It's when fun. You don't I have enjoy. To. I enjoy this stuff, man. I do. I do. I mean, the thing that the, the thing that I find very important is that there's a lot of times that we we see fans during the season, whether it's at, at at the hotel or if it's during during batting practice or if it's walking out to the bullpen to to a game that like we're we're like streamlined tunnel vision sure. focused on what we're doing and that we we don't mean to blow people off right. we don't mean we to not sign autographs but it's just things like things like this kind of allow you to connect with fans yeah. and the, like the caravan does allows you connect to connect with people and show show people that we're real people too Absolutely. that we that we're not these robots um that that are just baseball players we're a lot more than that and it it, it means a lot for me to be able to do things like this and and I hope the the, the, the fans understand that too well man it's it's good to see you no offense but i think the highlight of this interview is when sierra and tatum came up i'm and with you us. i think he may be asleep i probably my voice probably put him to sleep which i'm going to interview him at some point he's you should he should yeah. he's way more interesting <laughs> has way more personality than i have ever thought of having dude it's good to see you man you too man great seeing you all right tucker barnhart ladies and gentlemen up next is red's right-handed pitcher jackson stevens Jackson had one of the most incredible Major League debuts a player could experience when on July 1st against the Cubs, he became the first Reds pitcher since 1993 to record in his Major League debut his first career win, hit, and RBI. Here's Jackson to tell us all about it and his goals for 2018. Jackson, let's get right into it, man. We need to talk about your big league debut from last year. It was against okay. the uh, against the Cubs on July 1st. You became the first Reg pitcher to record in his major league debut his first career win, first career hit, and first career RBI since I believe John Roper did it in 1993. Can you talk a little bit about? You did not know that I think <laughs> I did and not. I mean, I've I've heard, but. At the time going in, no, I did not know that. Well, kind of like for us that uh, will never step foot on a Major League Baseball field, tell us a little bit about how that felt for you. Oh, man, it was surreal. Uh, you know, it's a dream that came true. And, you know, being able to get out there and, and compete against, you know, the World Series champs from last that last year is like, all right, okay, this is pretty cool and everything. But, you know, th I was still there to do one thing, and that was just – throw strikes, compete, and then let everything else happen. So, I mean, that's pretty much the way I took it. I wasn't crazy nervous to, by all means. Um, I was just excited more than I was nervous. Were you surprised that you weren't nervous? Uh, Not really, yeah. no, because, like, yeah, there's, like, a little butterflies going into it or whatever, but it wasn't the fact that I'm facing big league hitters. It, it was, like, more of the fact of, like, Oh, my whole family and them's here. When did they get in? They everybody got here safe. All that good stuff and more of that. But like, I wasn't su like surprised that I wasn't because I've been doing it my whole life. Right. So it was like, all right, you know, there's some minor leaguers that's made it to the big leagues that I faced. That I'm like, well, they're big leaguers, so I've, you know, yeah, nothing changes. I, I can see that. I can see that. You know what made that special for 
for me personally was seeing you do it and then like as the game's going on, just getting invested emotionally for you. I know that's kind of weird as yeah. but but also on top of that, it was against the Cubs. Yeah, that's which great. was awesome. Yeah, that's great. That's great. <laughs> that's great. But uh yeah, man, I was like I'm an emotional pitcher. Um, I think we got a few guys on our team that's very emotional like that and gets real fired up and everything. And, you know, like going into like, you know, the second inning, you know, we had uh, we had that jam that we was in no outs run first, uh, first and third. And then I, uh, again, I get a strikeout and then we get to strike him out, throw him out with Tucker. Yeah, yeah. I was like, oh, yeah. Okay, I was fired Your up. Your adrenaline levels kind of off the I charts. Went, I went nuts out there on that because that was pretty cool yeah and then you know just being able to then just trying to settle down and i know i gave up a three spot i think the next inning or the fourth inning or something like that i don't know but like i'm and everything but being able to control it and go back out there for two more innings and shut them down at least get us through five and give our team a chance to win that's pretty cool and everything but hitting hitting wise i was like uh all right i'm gonna try to hit you know uh, Ryan was like, hey, if that first fastball's there, hit it. And I was like, yes, sir, um, I'll try. <laughs> but then, I I mean, I have confidence up there at the plate. I feel like I can do do pretty well up there. But, you know, I mean, it's just different when you're in a big league stage yeah. hitting a little bit. So that, no, that was pretty awesome. cool. That's really cool. You were, you were one of uh, the first uh, players, one of the first of many players in 2017 to make his major league debut for the Reds. Because of that, did guys kind of approach you who were coming up knowing that they were going to get called up and make their major league debut? Did they seek you out and say, what do I need to expect? Do you have any advice? Uh, no. I mean, we talked about stuff like, you know, other guys that made their debuts up there and everything. We talked about how cool it was. And, you know, they pretty much just congratulated me and everything. So, like, I, I – I really didn't talk to them about what to expect because, you know, I made I made one start. So I was like, all right, I know a little bit about it. But at the same time, I'm like, I don't know. Uh, everybody can does it differently, in my right. opinion. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, everybody pitches differently. Everybody goes about their business differently. So I'm not going to tell them how they go out for their debut differently. Uh, do what they want. And the only thing I say is have fun because it's fun. Yeah. And um, yeah. that's, all I, that's all I would say. And I was I was so happy for everybody that made their debuts like last year, and I know I was one of them. But other guys that I've played with and been friends with for a while that made it, that was pretty cool. See all of us up there. Well, when you originally got called up, it was in late May, and you didn't appear. You didn't yeah. make an appearance, and mm-hmm. and were sent back down. How did that affect your nerves? Like you were just uh, you 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 made it, which was great, but you're still you still haven't taken the field yet. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think I warmed up. Uh, one time, and uh, they ended up bringing uh, I think Mike and Emlo, uh, just and I was in the pen, and I think that was more nervous about going into that situation <laughs> than I was the start right, because yeah. I've, I I haven't came out of the pen before, so I was mm-hmm. like I don't know about this. Yeah. But um, but I mean it it didn't affect me anything. It was just like, you know, like I know what my role was. They told me going into it what my role was and. I expected that role, so I was like, okay, I'm going to be the best guy for that role at that moment. And if they didn't need me, they didn't need me. And then some guys got healthy, so they was like, all right, you're going back down. But then I just knew when I went back down, I was like, I know what it's like up there, and let's try to get back up there. So I need to start – I wanted to really get after it down there and get back up. So And I, and I did, and I was, I was stoked. 
Tucker talked a little bit about guys, how important it is for guys, especially young pitchers such as yourself, to when they do get into a jam, to have that ability to kind of brush it off and to continue to focus on what they need to do out there. Would you agree that there is a, a certain level of importance to be able to do that? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, there's going to be days where you don't have your best stuff. There's going to be days where you have unbelievable stuff. There's going to be days where you have great luck. There's going to be days that you don't have no luck. Um, but the guys that can figure out how to work around whether they have their best stuff, let's say they don't have their best stuff that day, your best pitchers go out there and try to find a way to get out. And, you know, and one thing we have, we're, we're lucky to have, we have guys like Tucker, we have guys like Mez, we have guys like uh, Stu that, you know, you can trust back there and you can always go to. And we do, like, you know, we, we do a good job and we have a good relationship. So it's like, all of us together, we, we feel like we can, we can do something really great out there if we can just find a way, find a way, find a way. And, you know, there's some times where we all make mistakes. Like, you know, I didn't have, I didn't have great stuff one day, uh, a few games when I was up there, but I found a way to get some people out at some times, but then sometimes I got hit. Yeah. But then I had to bounce back, and, you know, that's one thing you got to learn is whether if you have a bad inning or you give up a few runs one inning, you got to be able to bounce back and keep your team in the game. Because you might give up two that inning, but if you're able to see see a zero the next inning, that offense is like, okay, he got a zero. He's, he's all right. We can go out there and we can go at it. But if you give up two one inning and then three the next inning, it's like kind of just deflates everything. So right. you kind of want to just kind of like, all right, let's get it back up again. And we do. I, I feel like we're, we're, we're getting that way. So you got to keep that motivation in mind because I would imagine it's pretty – it could be pretty easy for a guy who's – maybe getting out there maybe the first or second inning, anything that he throws up there is getting hit. It's probably, it could be easy for that guy to like just say, screw it, I'm throwing, you know, lose your focus, I'm, I'm just throwing anything yeah. up there. Yeah, you, 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 you got to stay focused. The whole, this, thing, this whole game is mental. So, like, the more you stay mental, the better you can be. And, you know, we get, and if you just get up there and start just throwing the ball around and because you're getting hit and you're just trying to throw harder, you're trying to throw harder or whatever – you know, take some breaths, take a deep breath, sit back, throw it slower and lower. Right. And, and, and try to get some ground balls and see what happens. As a baseball fan, not as a baseball player now, asking you as a baseball fan, what? Okay. give me your honest take on this Reds team. My honest take? Yeah, as far as, like, uh, the expectations and where you see this team, if it can compete in 2018. I feel like we can compete. I think we got some good players coming back. I mean, Joey being out there and being an MVP candidate, Tucker winning a gold glove. You know, all of our outfitters had great years. Duvall, Shebler, um, Billy, everybody, you know, and everybody's got some experience. You know, like there's a lot of guys up there that's got a lot of experience in, in everything. But, like, some of us young guys who have a shot to make the team next year or won't make the team next year. I feel like everybody's got some experience and some confidence and everybody knows everybody. So it's, we have good relationships and I feel like we're, we're just going to keep getting better and better. I, that's what I feel like. I feel like there's only one way up and I, I really feel like, you know, we're going to be able to compete and, next year and, and really open some eyes a little bit. What's it like as a pitcher when you take the mound, knowing that you have Billy Hamilton in center field, <laughs> Adam Duvall in left, Shebler's not too shabby out there and right. That, You're pitching to run. Tucker, and then you have Joey at first who was nominated for a gold mm -hmm. glove. Not to mention you've had Cozart, and Gino's become one of the best third basemen in the league. It's, it's pretty – I'll tell you what, it's fun because I remember, 
I pitched against Boston, and I made that start, and I remember Scooter making some great plays. Gino made some plays. Doobie made some plays. I know I, Doobie made one heck of a catch in St. Louis when I came out of the pen in St. Louis out of a big-time jam, and I was like, woof, you know, like, thank God. Um, and Billy's just so great out there. I mean, everybody is just so trustworthy. Like, you feel like if you – guy can hit a ball, and you're like, all right, we got that, you know. And then sometimes they fall, like – you know, like little bloopers, or sometimes they earn their doubles or their home runs or whatever. But, you know, it's kind of great to know that at any given moment something good can happen. Like, it, And it's so fun. Like, you know, everybody out in that field is pretty good. And it's, like, so relaxing that you can just say, I, I can just focus on pitching. Let's just focus on pitching. Don't worry about anything else. Just going at the guy and one pitch at a time, and that's what's fun. That's great, man. It's, it kind of goes back to the whole Little League thing. Just don't worry about it. If they hit it, we'll be out here for you. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Now, we, I've been asking a lot of the young pitchers who have been guests up here over the last day and a half to uh, talk a little bit about how valuable it was to have Bronson Arroyo in that clubhouse mm -hmm. in 2017. Oh, man, he's, he's something else. He is something else. I mean, he's, he is one of the most humble, nice guys I've ever met. All right, just so genuine, like, just helps you out. And he, he, he knows how to relax you, and he also knows how to tell you, like, hey, this is what you need to do. But he also does it in such a way that you understand and you, like, kind of benefit from, and he's just so relaxed. Like, and, you know, you just kind of want to be like him. And that's what he made it out to be. And I was so blessed and honored, like, I got to be playing with him on a team. I know this is last year, last year, and, and it's going to be upsetting, but I know – I built a relationship with him that, you know, he, I feel like I can call him at any time and he'll just talk to me. Yeah. So, I mean, that, and that's pretty surreal because there's not a lot of people that can, can be like him, man. He's, he's some special human being, I'll tell you that. You know, what's great about that is it's not just the players either. Like anybody from a front office staff or like myself or the guy who's doing security, they feel the same way about him. They yes. feel like he's so approachable. Yes. And he would talk to them and he would. Yes. And, 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 and he won't shy away from you either. Like he is just some, he's just a nice human being. And that's, I, I, that's, I mean, that's the best way I can describe him. He's just a nice human being. He'll do anything for you. And, it, and it, he will never be anything but that, in my opinion. So let me ask you this. As an Alabama guy, yes. did you watch the game? And are you a Roll Tide or a War Eagle? I am a Alabama Roll Tide guy. Did you watch? And obviously, you watched the game and you were invested in it, right? Emotionally. Yes. Uh, every game I am, and <laughs> you know, I. It's like I a actually, religion there, isn't it? It's it crazy. Is. It is, and the crazy thing is, is that I, my whole family is Alabama fans. Okay. All right, and my girlfriend is a Auburn fan. Oh. Went to Auburn. <laughs> so um, I'm having the. Is she we still have your a, girlfriend? Yes. She, she's been a girlfriend of mine for four years. So like, I, I was a part of. Our, our first year together was the kick six, which that one was just like, no way. <laughs> this is how it's going to be. And she rubbed that in. But we have, we have like a little thing, you know. We, I, let her have, I let her say what she wants for a week, and then it's like, all right, it's over with. Yeah. All right, and, uh, but, yeah, I am, I'm a big Alabama fan and born and raised an Alabama fan. Like, it's just always been one. So, like, it's, it's So, obviously, big. she probably could have messed with you a little bit this year. Does she, like, do some, like, evil things, like maybe buy you, like, a Christmas ornament with Auburn on it or <laughs> no. a jersey or anything like no, that? No, no. She knows better than that. She, she, she knows she'll waste her money on it because <laughs> I will not I – I will refuse to wear it. And, 
That, that's the bottom of the line. Right. But she got to go to the game, and I just stayed at home because I, I didn't want to be on with her during the game. <laughs> <laughs> so but. last before I let you go, Jackson, when you come to an event like this, mm-hmm. maybe is there an, a certain alumni that you like catching up with or maybe meeting this year for the first time or um, hmm. maybe an, another person in the – and the organization that you enjoy coming to see? Well, alumni that I enjoy seeing is uh, Tom Browning. Yeah. Uh, when I was in extended spring training, when I first got drafted, my first spring training, and then I went through extended, he was one of the pitching coaches there. And I've built a good relationship with Tom, and, uh, you know, he's really like, you I mean, you're going to listen to a guy who went perfect. Like, so, like, you just – I built a relationship with him where every time I see him, I'm so happy to see him. Like, I, I'm like, well, Tom, what's up? And then he has some stories with me and everything. It's pretty cool. Like, so, like, I see him out there throwing BP right now on the field, and I'm, like, wanting to go there and say hey to him. But, like, I, I love catching up with Tom. And I see, him, I see him throughout the year. I see him when I was up there in the big leagues, and I always talk to him. He's like, what up, kiddo? <laughs> so, you talk about an approachable guy. Yes, yes. So, like, I mean, just seeing him makes me feel happy. But there's a lot of alum that I like seeing here. And, there's some that played here, played with the Reds that are just not here that I like seeing. So, but it's pretty cool. Yeah, we, we just talked about Tom and, and, and Bronson. They kind of make it easy. Is it a coincidence maybe that these guys are so approachable and friendly and they just kind of they have fun and they were successful? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy, isn't but it? That's easier said than done, isn't it's it? Easy. It's very easy. But, I mean, <laughs> it's, it's tough. But, you know, it takes special people to be able to be like that. So, I mean, some people are not like that, and and that's fine. But, like, that's how they are, and that's what they'll always be like, and that's what I always think of them as. So it's it's, it's a great thing. Jackson Stevens, it was a pleasure to have you here, man. I oh, really man. appreciate you taking the time oh, out to, to talk you, with us. Thank you for having me here. It's pretty fun. Appreciate it. Ladies and gentlemen, Jackson Stevens. Taylor Trammell is rated by both Baseball America and MLB.com as the third best prospect in the red system. Considered one of the most athletic players in the Reds organization, Taylor has all of the tools. Blazing speed, gap-to-gap power, the ability to get on base consistently, and tremendous defensive skills. A very humble and gracious young man, Taylor stopped by to talk to us about his aspirations and goals and his development as a young player rising through the Reds system. Hey man, you are the Reds third ranked prospect mm-hmm. so with that is does there come a little bit of unwanted pressure with that or is it something that you're pretty excited about i'm just really excited about it i'm gonna be honest with you i really don't keep up with that stuff i honestly just try to go out there every single day and just play to the best of my ability it's an honor it's a privilege and i'm so humbled and thankful that i had the chance to be a reds prospect even that and um just even be a the number three prospect. I'm so thankful for that. I'm so, like I said earlier, I'm so humbled by that, and I'm so happy that these fans um, and everyone takes notice of that. You have a you're in you're you're on a list with a bunch of really great, special, talented players such as Nick Senzel and Hunter Green. Does that kind of make you? Does that fire you up for the future of this team? Absolutely. I look I look at the guys in our organization every single day and I'm like wow we have a great chance in the next you know four or five years even three or four or five years to do something special with this team and I know talking to you know some of the guys up in our level we're ready for it we're ready to take on the challenge of taking to taking this city by storm and bringing another world series to this 
to this city and we're so excited to build another great culture around this team and absolutely just take off with it. Last year you played at Class A Dayton where the fans and the atmosphere are simply incredible. Can you tell us a little bit about your experience there? I know a lot of players that come up through the red system always have hold Dayton as a special place because of the the constant sellouts and the people who just love baseball there. It's an absolutely special place. I look at Dayton and I think this is a place I'm going to remember for the rest of my life. However long my career is, I'm going to remember Dayton as being one of the best places I've ever played at. It is, it's truly a special place. The host fam my host family that was there out of this world and they took such great care of me. The fans, absolutely outstanding. We had there would be times and you'll be in the late ninth inning of a game and you get up to bat and you're just like, wow, these guys are rooting me on. You know, seven, 8,000 people just rooting you on. It, it truly holds dear to your heart. Does that, do you feel that, 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 that there's some value in that as far as a young player coming up, having that opportunity to play in front of eight, seven, 8,000 people every night as I, opposed to like, and let's face it, there are going to be stops along the way in which there's maybe – a couple hundred people that show up to these games. Yeah, you look at it and you're like, wow, this, this stadium is actually preparing me for upper levels, uh, higher levels that we're going to go into. And it just helps you out whenever we go to other stadiums that, you know, have less, less, play, uh, less fans. Mm -hmm. And you're just like, wow, you know, we have, we have an edge. We, we understand what it's like to have people booing you. you know, we have an understanding of people when they're cheering you on. We actually, it's just, uh, it's just a wonderful experience that we got to experience, and I'm just so happy for it. Yeah, it sounds like you're, you're really aware of that, Taylor. And, and have you ever heard, like, other, maybe other, from players from other teams just say, man, you're lucky you get to play in front of those people every night. We don't have that. Absolutely. I, I got guys that I know that play on different teams, and they're just like, it's tough playing in Dayton. And we're just like, it's great playing in Dayton. Yeah, sure. Because our, our fans – they, they can heft you a little bit, but they never go overboard. But they understand that they're here for the Dragons and the Reds organization, and they're ready to get after every single night. And not, it's not only just the fans, but I, I, I'm proud being a uh, Reds employee to say that the club has top-notch facilities from the spring training complex, Class A, all the way up. It's uh, state-of-the-art facilities, incredible resources, how much value – do you put on that as a player, being able to knowing that you're going to have the cutting edge equipment or the, the the video resources that you need? It helps us out because we we know as a player that we have no we have all the room to succeed. We have every resource to, to succeed in this organization, and it's just so I'm just, I'm thankful and uh, so just thankful that we actually had the chance to have all these resources for our teams and. It's great when, you know, when we go out and go back home and we're like, oh, we had this. This is what the team uh, instilled in us, what they brought to, our, brought to our attention. And we have the highest technology, highest just everything in our organization. And we have the best resources to succeed in this organization. My next question is, are you a guy who sets goals for himself? And if so, what are some of your short-term goals going into 2018 and some of your long-term goals Obviously, one would probably be reaching the major leagues. Absolutely. You know, I think I have a weird mind. I, <laughs> I, I think a lot of things at one time, 
but at the same time, I kind of like just simplify stuff. Mm-hmm. My short-term goals is are just to just become a better player and not really think too much about stats, not just really thinking about, you know, how many home runs am I going to hit, how many steals am I going to get. I'm, gonna, I'm really thinking about how many times I'm executing my at-bats, how many times I'm executing my defensive plays. I think about that, and from what I've been told from a lot of the Hall of Famers and how, um, how the legends of this organization, that's how you get to become a better player. Also in 2018, I want to become a better teammate. I feel that that is, that is one thing that anyone, anyone can improve on, no matter how good of a teammate you are, how bad of a teammate you are, you can actually improve on being a better teammate every single day. And yeah. Yeah, I think there's a, man, that's, you're, you're displaying a, a high level of maturity there as a 20-year-old to acknowledge that it, it, it's, it, it's obvious that all players can improve or there's room for improvement for all players on the field but to be a better teammate you're showing me something there and I, I think the Reds would be proud of you for saying that because they're they're taking the steps to develop develop leaders oh absolutely this is it's actually funny that you talked about being uh, being a leader we actually the past two years the Reds have taken us to the Thayer West leadership West. program at West Point and when I, I kid you not that was, had to have been the best experience of my life and it takes you, you, you grow with your, your teammates. You grow as individuals and you grow as a team. And they put you through the ringer. I'll tell you that right now. They put you through it. And you have to work with your teammates every single day that you're down there. And it, it builds a bond. And then when you get to spring training, you look at some of the older guys and some of the younger guys that you went through that program with. And you're like, goodness gracious. You know, I went through, you know, 30 degree weather pulling a sled and this guy's in the big leagues with me we went through that together so it gives us a great connection a great vibe with each other and it just really helps us to just grow as a team and I'm so thankful um, and so humble that the Reds even put that um, put that in our system yeah let's zero in a little bit because there's going to be some people that that don't know what we're talking about there but as you mentioned the last couple of years the Reds have taken a dozen of their their they're highly touted, well thought of minor league players, and sent them to West Point for how long? Did, how long was the program? About, about a week? Three days. Three days. About three days. Three days. And it involves, from what I understand, correct me if I'm wrong, Taylor. There's a physical aspect to it, and what you mentioned, like pulling sleds and maybe obstacle courses and different mm-hmm. things like that. But there's also, isn't there a, a classroom kind of portion of it as well? Yes, absolutely. They they take us. They give us a book. Um, they give us a notebook also to take notes on, and it gives you, it pretty much takes you back to school, and it's, it's awesome because you're like, I really want to learn, and it's really up to you, but you think about, oh my goodness, you know, I want to learn all of this stuff in this short amount of time, and they put so much knowledge into your mind that it's just so helpful that, you know, you're looking at this, and you're like, I can take this into spring training. I can take this into, you know, the season. And I think last year the reason why Dayton did so well is because we had we had three guys in that or, uh, in that went to that group uh, to that uh, program, yep. and it just took us to a whole nother level. Along with some other guys that just have natural leadership abilities, you look at that and you're just like, oh my goodness, we we have some we have some uh, a chance to do something special with this with this team, this organization. And like I said earlier, we're just taking it by storm. 
It was only three days. The program's only three days, but it sounds like you got a lot out of it. Oh, I got I got so much out of it. And it's and, and it's got to be a and you kind of mentioned it earlier, but it's got to got to be a, an incredible bonding experience, not only with the players that are going to be that you're going to play with at Dayton, but maybe like other players, maybe that are at a high, higher level or lower level that you'll eventually hopefully be playing with that you might not know very well. This gave you an opportunity to say, look, we're the we're thought of as the best of the best in this organization. We're in this together, right? Absolutely. It, I'll say this. It gives you – it relieves you at a point when you're in spring training and you see a big leaguer uh, who was in probably AAA last year and is in the big leagues now, and you look at, look at them and you're like, oh, my goodness, we were actually in the same shoes, you know, a few, a few weeks ago or well, a few months ago, yeah. and it's like, oh, my goodness, this guy knows my name. This guy, you know, we went to the same leadership program. We were at the same – at the same time in yeah. uh, in New York, we were yeah. we're we're at the same point of each other, and it's yeah. it's so humbling that these guys come up to you like, "Hey, what's up, Taylor?" And you're like, "Oh my goodness, you know that's Rookie <laughs> Davis, you know, oh my yeah. goodness that's Sauron, oh my goodness that's Jesse Winker." Yeah. Wow, this is amazing experience that yeah. these guys are actually know me, and I get to learn from them. I can I get to talk to them, I get to text them, I get to just be around them, and it's just it's so humbling. So you you talk about that having the the veteran big league players recognize you and mention you is that something that you feel is going to be important that once you get to that level to do the same in return for the guys that were in your shoes at one that are coming up through the system absolutely my mom my mom actually tells me uh this a lot she always says you reap what you sow yeah so i think if i have a chance to develop someone if i have the chance to impact someone's life i'm always going to take that road I never, I never believe in just bringing someone down. I never believe in, you know, just making someone feel terrible, terrible about themselves. I always, be, I always believe in building someone up so that they have the best chance to succeed. There were a couple of stretches in 2017 in which you essentially reached base safely every night. You, you opened the season by reaching base safely in 27 straight games, and then there was a, there was a stretch in, from June to July in which you reached safely in 28 straight games. That's a lot of games, man, and uh, for the season's not as long in the minor leagues as it is the big leagues. Would you describe yourself as an on-base guy, meaning like you walk a lot, you're selective at the plate, or are you? It, it just worked out that way. Honestly, I think it just worked out that way. I didn't. I'm be honest with you. I didn't even know about that. Um, but I just know that if I'm on base, and I'll tell you this, I had I had a lot of guys that batted behind me, and a lot of guys that batted in front of me, who. I'll tell you this, if I have Jose Siri, if I have TJ Friedel batting in front of me, and I have Tyler Stevenson um, and uh, Bruce Yari and a whole bunch of other guys that are batting behind me, I have the best job in the world yeah. because it, all I have to do is just get on base and just make something happen or, I mean, just make something happen when they hit the ball. It, it is truly I had to, I'm gonna be honest with you. I, I think I had the most fun out of anybody this whole season because I, I had those guys hitting in front of me and behind me, and I would think that I am a, I'm just a guy that just impacts the game. I don't really look to, I don't like to really look at myself as an on-base guy. Just any way I can impact the game with my speed, with my power, and with my hitting ability, and my defense. And your glove, yeah. And my defense. I think that that is the best way to help out the team as much as possible. 
You mentioned a couple guys that aren't here today, but I think they should, they deserve to be mentioned. Um, they might not be considered the highest rated Baseball America rookies, but give us your take on some of these guys like TJ Friedel, Bruce Yari, Jose Siri, who is here, who had an incredible year and had an incredible uh, hitting streak this year. Some of those guys deserve the recognition. Absolutely. Um, that's kind of why I really don't li like to look at rankings and stuff like that because these guys are at the same level as we are. I can go through all, all three of those guys. TJ, I mean, I text him all the time. I always talk to him. He is one of the best human beings that you'll ever meet. Bruce, same thing. He's one of the best human beings that you'll ever meet. Jose, same thing. These guys, these guys you are playing with 140 games out of the year, yep. and you're like, oh, my goodness, we're about to – you just look at the future of this organization, and you're like, this is, this is really <laughs> outstanding. <laughs> you're, you look at these guys, and there's so many other guys that we haven't even mentioned right, sure. that just deserve so much recognition. And – it's, it's truly humbling that these guys are even a part of this organization. Sure. That you get to look at these guys and be like, wow, we're about, to, we're about to take this team by storm. We're about to take this city by storm. These guys with these organizations, other organizations, they don't know what we have over here. And I'm, like I said, I'm so thankful that uh, I get to know those guys. I get to be with those guys every single day. And they, they're, they're one of a kind people. Man, you're firing me up for the future of this, this organization. Like having guys like you and Nick and TJ and those guys, it's, it's fun to hear this. Yes, sir. You were, a, uh, you were an incredible football player in high school. You're a great athlete. Mm -hmm. Was the decision to, difficult for you personally to pursue baseball over football? Not at all. Um, after my junior season of football, uh, I think I, I pretty much – well, after I committed to Georgia Tech for baseball – I think I, I knew that I wanted to play baseball full-time. But at the same time, that didn't take away my love for football. So my senior year, I played football. And I think the reason why I had such a great, not even a great, just a, just a, I had a fun season with football. And I think I did so well because I didn't have really any pressure. I had, I just played loose. I played with no regrets. I was going to go out there every single day. And those guys on the football team I had played with, for four years, well, three years already, why not play with them for a fourth? Because I, I sweated with them, I bled with them, and we had such a great time together throughout those three years. Why not finish it out? Because those guys, I, would, I grew up with them, mm -hmm. and it, it, it was the least I could do with those guys, and I was just so happy that I could have been a part of that, uh, that team. Taylor, you seem like a really well-adjusted young man. You're only 20 years old. You have two pro seasons under your belt which is a pretty incredible accomplishment for only being 20. But with that being said, has being a pro, being in this organization, improved your character since you've been here? Are you, are you a little bit different in a good way uh, personally, and, uh, or are you still the same guy? I feel like I'm pretty much the same person. I, this might, I might be going off on the wind a little bit, but... A lot of people think that, you know, I'm this kind of quote-unquote big shot kind of guy. It's kind of weird when I go back home and I see people I know, they kind of treat me a little bit different. Yeah. And, you know, when I go home from my, with my family, people treat me a little bit different. I don't think about it that way. I know where I come from. I come from a, you know, a two-story house in Powder Springs, Georgia. I didn't, now I'm not saying I didn't come from, up from nothing, but I came up, you know, with my parents, they gave me everything I needed. 
not everything I wanted, everything I needed. Yeah. And so I, they sacrificed so much for me to be in the position that I'm in. And I know that, you know, I mean, I'm in the position now because of who I serve and who, I, who I'm with, and that's my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I don't, I don't take anything for granted. I'm the same person that I, um, that I was, you know, five years back, six years back, and I'm going to be that same person moving on forward in this organization. So I, I don't think too much about, you know, me being this kind of, like, different person or anything like that. I like to just think about myself as being, you know, Taylor Trammell from Powder Springs, Georgia. Very nice. Before I let you go, have there, has there been anybody here at Reds Fest that you never, you never thought you'd get a chance to meet, but maybe you got to meet them, or, or people that you were excited to see, like maybe Joey or, or Billy or any of those guys? Um, I'll tell you what, I, think, I like to see, um, I think Billy Hamilton's a person that, you know, I think is just pretty cool. Uh, I've talked to him here, here and there a little bit, but I saw him, I saw him today. He's, he just looks fast. I mean, <laughs> he I'm, just looks fast. He just looks fast. And I mean, that guy right there, he's, from what I've heard and what I've seen with talking to him, he's, he's just a down to earth person, really nice guy. Um, from the small time I've talked to him, you just, you, you just see some people that you're like, oh, wow, this guy, he, he lights up the room. And uh, also, Devin Mezzarocco, he's, he's a really cool guy that I've, I've gotten to talk to a little bit. And I was like, goodness gracious, this guy is one of a kind. It's kind of nice coming up, right, that when these guys say, hey, look, they take the time to talk to you. And, oh, absolutely. Because they were there. They were absolutely. in your shoes at one point. Oh, yeah. And another person I get to talk to a little bit, I talk to him a lot, is Eric Davis. I, <laughs> look, I, Legend. I, mess with, I mess with that guy a whole bunch. Yeah. He messes with me. I, I can never win an argument with him. But, I mean, he's one of the guys that I look up to. Uh, he teaches me a lot about baseball. I, I give him a hard time. He gives me a hard time. But there's nothing but love with us. Yeah, and you mentioned him. And he's a guy that I grew up watching. And, um you probably didn't you probably weren't old enough to remember but man I love to see these young guys show so much respect to him because he was arguably the best player in baseball at one time oh, so yeah. and I'm I'm thrilled that a guy like you gets a chance to interact and get coaching and tips mm -hmm. and advice from Eric Davis absolutely he's he's a people people who don't know him and don't ever talk to him he is he's the most nicest funniest yes, he is. person that you'll ever meet absolutely <laughs> and absolutely. he just he truly gives back to the community and he's, he is just a uh, just a down-to-earth person taylor tramell it's been a, a great pleasure to have you here and to get you get to know you a little bit and obviously you're an easy guy to root for and we're we're absolutely rooting like the dickens for you going uh, into the thank future you so much our final guest from reds fest 2017 is michael lorenzen Michael made a career-high 70 appearances out of the Reds' bullpen last year, and he led the pitching staff with eight victories. A successful pitcher in college, in which he also excelled as an outfielder, Michael has some interesting thoughts on the emergence of two-way players in baseball. Here's Michael Lorenzen to help us put a bow on Reds Fest 2017. Michael, how's it going? Oh, I'm fantastic. Fantastic. Enjoying my time here at Reds Fest like every year. Do you, um, am I wrong in thinking that you spend a lot of time in the offseason here in Cincinnati? Yeah, I, I don't spend, an, yeah, I spend time back in California. I, fly, I live in San Diego uh, right now, but when I, usually when I come back for Reds Fest, I like to make the most of it <clears throat> since I'm not here year-round and try and give back to 
the people that support me as, as much as I can. So I'll stay an extra couple days after Reds Fest and um, try and do some stuff within the community. We were just talking with Taylor Tremell. You got a chance to meet him. He was just on the show, and I, I introduced him to you as a guy who was a, uh, a two-way player in college. Now, there's a lot of news going on right now with a certain two-way player from Japan. Yeah. We drafted a guy named Hunter Green who's considered a two-way player. Um, as a guy who had, who was right there, could have done either one, Yeah. do you think, I'm going to ask you, I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit. All right. Do you think in the major leagues it's possible <laughs> to have a guy play regularly in the field and pitch every fifth day? Um, you know, I'm glad you put me on the spot <laughs> because, you know, I'm not a person that likes to, likes to set limitations on anything. Um, so for me, it's, it's just ridiculous to think that someone can't do that. Yeah. You know, whenever it, it for, I always go back, I like to tell the story of the four minute mile. No one, no one thought anybody could accomplish it. But once someone did, and then all of a sudden everyone started accomplishing it. So I just think it, it comes down to a belief system of not shutting guys down before they even get the opportunity to. So we, we need to see what these guys are capable of, um, how they perform. Because I think there's, there's some people, what, what, I hear it, what I hear about it a lot is that, you know, it takes someone special. It takes someone, you know, their sleeping habits have to be good. Their work habits yeah. have to be, you know, next level, their eating habits, um, their work ethic, like I said, their attitude, what they put into it. And a lot of people aren't willing to do that. And so I think that's, you know, but, but there are a select few that are willing to do it. And, um, you know, I, I think absolutely 100%, I believe that it's possible. And I, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think, I think you would like to do it because <laughs> I, I know how much you like to hit. Yeah, I mean, I do like to hit, but, I mean, I also love to play center field. I love to, I love to pitch. I'm a pitcher, yeah. but I love the game of baseball. I love the, every aspect of baseball. I love, you know, running bases and, and when I'm on first base, looking in and seeing if he's throwing a breaking ball. And, and if he is, I'm going to get a good jump because, you know, I just love the little details of the yeah. game that, um, you know, a lot of people don't pick up on, a lot of people don't see. So, you know, you, you end up missing out on a little bit. But not to say I'm, I'm enjoying every single second of being a pitcher. Absolutely. That's all I want to do. Uh, that's all I think about. But it's just those little aspects of the game that you miss. And, um, yeah, I just love the whole game of baseball. You led the pitching staff, the whole pitching staff, with eight wins, and that's not something you probably want to do as a reliever is to lead the team in wins. But you made 70 appearances, Michael. <laughs> uh, that, that, that's, that's quite a workload. Yeah. Was it uh, – Something, and I know your stats kind of reflected a little more positive at the beginning of the season yeah. as opposed to the second half of the season. And I'm not making excuses for you, but you had to kind of get a little tired there towards the end. Yeah, I mean, I just think, you know, taking the positives from last year is uh, the year before I was on the DL for, you know, half the season, you know, due to the elbow and due to sickness um, and, and I was able to come back and make 70 appearances, like yeah. you said, throw 80-plus innings, um, not feel anything in my elbow. So I'm, I'm going to look at that as a positive. Um, I got a ton of experience. And for someone like me who is lacking in that department, like you said, I played center field in college. You know, I, I lack in the experience department. So, you know, I'm going to take from that 
um, take the positives out of that, that I gained a ton of experience and that I was healthy. Brian Price at the beginning of the year kind of uh, uh, did something a little unusual as a, that than what other managers do across the league. He uh, kind of, I don't want to say revolutionized the way he used his bullpen, but he kind of he did it different than a lot of guys do. As a, a guy that I know you would love to get that ball every day, yeah. did you appreciate that he was going to his best pitchers in the most important situations as opposed to waiting to the ninth inning to bring in maybe yeah. you or Rysel? Well, yeah, because, you know, for me, as I watch, you watch the game develop and you're able to really pick out what are the most important parts of the game. It's not necessarily in the ninth inning sometimes. It's in the, you know, fifth inning, sixth inning where – say we're even down by by two runs and we can either stay in it or say something happens and we're down by six so it's like that that part of the game was crucial for the team to be able to stay into it whether that was in the fifth inning sixth inning um you know so you still need to get to that ninth inning with that lead um and, and a lot of the time games are lost you know early on to where that lead gets bigger and bigger or um you know, our lead gets smaller and smaller, and so it gives other teams some momentum or we lose momentum. So I think there's those parts of the game that are extremely important, and it takes a, a good manager like Brian to be able to pick out those spots and say, hey, this right here is going to be the game changer. This inning right here, getting these outs, um, you know, like I said, mostly for the mentality of the team of, hey, we're either going to – we could throw one of our best relievers and, and stay in it. You know, we're down by two. Or you never know, we might be down by six, and then our team's kind of bummed out that we're already down by that much. Yeah, and I love that you're saying this as a player because not a lot – there are some pitchers out there for statistical reasons with the save that might not agree with you, that might be like, I, wanna, I just want to pitch the ninth. Well, I mean, yeah, at, at the end of the day, this is a business. So, I mean, it, there's got to be balance, though. I think there's got to be – there has to be balance or else you're going to go crazy. Um, you know, with anything, there has to be balance. So uh, ultimately, I think if you're just, you're safe, you're a safe bet if you're just going to let your competitiveness yeah. take over yeah. um, and, and let the business take care of itself. So, you know, that's, that's the route I'm going. Yeah, and ultimately you're doing what's right for the team. What's right for the team. Um, and, you know, I'm, for me, when I, you know, gave my life to the Lord. It was just, man, it's got to be selfless. You got to live selfless, man. And so I think that's a something that stands out is is being selfless and and you know not worrying about the paycheck so much. You're consider your conditioning is unmatched, Michael. You're you're considered uh, a workout exercise monster. Um, how important, not only important, but how necessary is it for you to be at peak physical condition during the year? knowing that you're going to make possibly make 70 appearances. Yeah, well, for me, I just want to be in the best shape that I possibly can be in. Um, and that's, you know, there's so much that goes into it because I want to pitch for as long. I want to have a really long career. I want to pitch. I want to be a workhorse. Um, I want to have a good career. So, you know, there's a lot of aspects that go into it. There's the, you know, like you said, the working out, the conditioning, which I thoroughly enjoy. But then there's also the diet um, you know, that's extremely important and, you know, making making those sacrifices to make sure that your body feels good each and every day to where your body's healing and, it, and it's recovering. It's getting to bed at a good time, even though, you know, 
we're out on the road, we're traveling, trying to get your sleep in, um, trying to recover that way because that's, that's one of the most important things and making sure my mechanics are on point. So those are the four things, man. It, it, it's extremely important and it takes a lot of time, a lot of sacrifice, a lot of discipline. But, you know, I, the way I look at it is I have baseball careers aren't long when it comes to, you know, normal jobs. We play for 10 years and that's an amazing career. So I have 10 years, I'm going to give it everything that I can. I never want to look back and say, man, what if I would have just eaten better? Man, what if I would have just, you know, stayed in and recovered? Or what if I would have just put in the extra work? Or I'm never going to do that. When I, at the end of my career, I'm going to look back and say, well, I gave it everything that I have and I got everything I could out of, out of everything that God had gifted me with, that and ability. Let's, and let's be honest, that's not that easy. You mentioned, uh, you mentioned the eating habits. It's, it's got to be difficult on the road, in the clubhouse, to be disciplined in what you eat and make sure you're putting the right stuff in your body. Abs I mean, absolutely. It's extremely, like I said, it's, it takes a lot of dedication. It takes a lot of discipline. Um, but I invest all my time into it. Uh, I owe it to, you know, my family. I owe it to the fans. I owe it to my teammates um, to give it everything that I have. And, you know, instead of going out and buying a bunch of nice stuff, I'm, I'm, I spend all my money on investing in my career, really. So, you know, I spend my money on, you know, my diet, my, my workouts, trainers, this and that, just so I can get the best out of, uh, out of me that I can. So, um, you know, all you guys can definitely have faith that I'm giving you everything I have. Good stuff. Let me throw this at you. There are some folks that out there that I've talked to, that I've read, that uh, that suggests that they'd rather see they'd like to see you in the starting rotation. Is that something that maybe you still think about? And uh, if so, is it something that you would like to do? Yeah, absolutely. It's something that you know I'm about getting the most out of me, um, just getting every single ounce of my ability um, out of out of me as I can possible. And I think you know that door of starting hasn't been closed yet and so um do i believe i can be a, a great starter one day absolutely if i didn't it's definitely not going to happen if i don't um so you know that dream of mine is still there and i'm working towards it and i'm going to continue to work towards it and have faith that the work that i put in will pay off but when that happens i'm not necessarily worried about um i'm not i don't need it now i don't need it this year, I don't need it next year. I just know that I'm going to continue to work, continue to grow as a pitcher, as a, as a baseball player, and um, just have faith that, I'll be, that my work will be rewarded. I've been asking a lot of the pitchers that have come up here over the last day and a half to talk. I've been asking them this. I'm going to ask you, how happy were you when you found out that Tucker Barnhart won the gold glove? Uh, I definitely wasn't surprised. <laughs> and I was extremely happy obviously because we get to throw to him every day um you know for him where he's at in his career to be able to win a gold glove is is extremely special but like i said i'm definitely not surprised he takes extreme pride in in what he does behind the plate and you can respect that yeah let's talk about a little some something fun real quick before we let you go um in april against the phillies you hit a pinch hit home run and that tie that snapped a four to four tie. I know yeah. it's not your most memorable home run, but that one had to feel pretty good. Yeah, that felt pretty good because I didn't, I mean I didn't get in that bat. That was my first at bat since the year before. <laughs> yeah, and so um, 
Yeah, it, it kind of set me up for failure after that because I felt like if I didn't hit a home run every at bat after that, I was, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh man, what? Why are we sending them up there? <laughs> um, but man, yeah, that was, that was a great feeling. It was a, it was a good time, and yeah, it definitely set me up for a lot of breaking balls and a lot of <laughs> changeups, and you know, I would, I would get more breaking balls than than fastballs, and so these. And I would come in and pinch hit against guys throwing 97, 98 bullpen guys who have nasty sliders. And it's like, man, I haven't seen this in a long time. So, um, yes, I'm, I'm actually going to start hitting next week. I'm going to start hitting all the way throughout this offseason just so, you know, if I, if I get as many pinch hit at bats this year as I did last year, I want to be ready and prepared for them. Sure. And, and uh, I think you would agree there are some guys on this staff that can rake. It's been a long time <laughs> since the Reds pitching staff as a whole had yeah. so many hitters yeah. on it. Do you guys have, like, a friendly competition? Um, you know, I think they do. I think I'm on a different level. <laughs> I'm, just, <laughs> I'm just kidding. No. Um, yeah, we, it, it's always fun to take batting practice. And, you know, we got some big, big boys on the pitching staff, you know, Rookie Davis and Amir, and, and they make our stadium – well. Great America. They make our stadium look like Great American Small Park for sure. And so, um, yeah, it, it's fun to have some pitch, some pitching competition and, and stuff like that when it comes to the bats. I know you're not one to really uh, throw this around and put it in people's faces, but I think it's important for me to share with everyone out here that's listening and to congratulate you. Um, in 2017, you were the Reds nominee for the Marvin Miller Award, and that's a, that's a really big award. I mean, there's a lot of weight that's uh, behind that, and yeah. I think it's well-deserved. I, I, I think you should have won it. I'm a little biased, but <laughs> you were the Reds nominee, and I think that's a great uh, uh, feather in your cap. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate it. Um, yeah, thank you. I know you do a lot, and you, it's, you probably prefer it to go unmentioned, but you do so much in the community. Uh, you're such a great role model for the other players in, in, in terms of that, that on behalf of the Reds, I, I, another thing, I just want to thank you for that. And I think it's, it's great for what you do in the community as well as with the kids. Yeah, thank you. You know, one thing I learned a couple years ago were um, the greatest leaders are, are the best servants. So, you know, not necessarily the ones that are out shouting orders and, and stuff like that or um, the ones with the most power, but the people who are willing to serve others the most and um, really humble themselves and, and lift other people up uh, yeah. when they're in need. Um, so that's something that I strive to do and, and just uh, try and glorify God throughout. And I, knew, I know you do it for the right reasons. You don't do it for vanity. And, and I, just to let you know, it, it, it doesn't go unnoticed. I know not just from Dick and Walt and Bob Castellini, but from the other like staffers at, in, the, in the Reds organization that they really think so much of that that you do that. Yeah, so thank, thank you, you for thank that. You. Uh, before we let you go, um, who here maybe alumni-wise or uh, current players that – when you came here to Reds Fest this weekend that you were looking forward to seeing in particular? Well, honestly, I mean, our whole team, I think, I think everyone, it's no secret that our whole team was just gelled really well last year. Um, I've never, it, it's very rare to be on a team that's as close as, as the group of guys that we have are. Um, 
and especially in the major leagues, I feel like when everyone, you know, when the business aspect gets involved, you always hear that, you know, once you're done playing college ball, that it, it turns into a business. You don't really play as a team anymore. But, man, our team, I've never seen the chemistry that we have. So I was excited to show up and see see everyone. I mean, everyone. I've been, I've been, um, I haven't had this much energy in a long time. So I've been energized. I feel good. Um, it was nice to see everyone. Nice to pick on some people. If you guys see Brandon Finnegan, make sure you pick on him. Um, <laughs> he's one of my favorites. He gets really offensive or defensive, so you guys pick on him when, when you get a chance. <laughs> um, you know, but seeing Scooter and Joey yeah. and, and, and just everyone, man, it, it, it's been a good time. And I'm, I'm re-energized to get back to San Diego, um, re-energized to get back in and, and start training and, and become the best pitcher I can for, for our team, for our guys, for the guys that are playing behind you. Well, Michael, we're really pleased that you're a, a really important cog to this pitching staff, and we're pleased that you took the time out to stop by to talk to us. Yeah, thank you for having me. Ladies and gentlemen, Michael Lorenzen. All right. And that does it, folks. Yet another Reds Fest is in the books. These are really beginning to add up for me personally, and it's hard to believe that I worked my first one nearly 20 years ago. There are so many moving parts to this huge undertaking that is Reds Fest that I'm amazed every year at how well it turns out. This thing takes countless hours by over 400 volunteers, including every single Reds front office employee. The hard work and the amount of preparation that goes into Reds Fest make it a rewarding experience for the folks who work it and a home run for the fans who attend it. I'd like to thank all of you who attended Reds Fest 2017 and to those of you who couldn't make it but are using these Reds Fest podcasts to get a little taste of the event. Hopefully you'll be able to join us next year. A big thanks to all of our guests at Reds Fest and to all of the folks who either attended or worked the event. We appreciate it. I'd also like to thank Nick Prince, who does all of the heavy lifting behind the scenes to make this podcast possible. Until next time, this is the Better Off Red Podcast. I'm Jamie Ramsey. Happy holidays.
Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based championship team.